The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, I guess uh, a public uh, profession, uh, confession and repentance uh, is called for, uh, I guess, based on what's going on, uh, what has been going on at Duke here in North Carolina, Duke Medical System, UNC, as well as ECU. When it comes to transgender reassignment uh, surgery and treatments, hormone blockers, things of that nature. Because why is that rumble coming up for me on my computer? Is it just my MacBook, Josh? Look, it's not here. Wow. Weird. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the skinny. Our now 22-year-old, 6-foot, 5-inch, 220-pound Son, who uh, is a father and loves all sports and cars and fishing. Uh, When he was six, and we have the evidence, which they might use against us one day in a court of law. Uh, When he was six, one of his sisters, I think uh, his oldest sister, dressed him up in one of her Disney princess outfits. And they were running around and having a good old time. And we have a picture of that. It was like, I don't know who it was, a pink Disney princess outfit, complete with a tiara. And uh, his face is all red because they're running around and have fun. We have a picture of that somewhere. And obviously, we should have seen the signs in our six-year-old son that he was struggling, obviously, with his gender identity. And we should have taken him down I-40 here in North Carolina to either Duke or UNC and gone to their, um, what's it called? Welcome to the Gender Equity and Wellness Initiative Program, the UNC Department of Psychiatry. This is actually from their intake uh, document, their intake document. Thank you, Sloan, for digging this stuff up. Uh, And I'll give you the the website and stuff for that here in a minute. Uh, Welcome to the Gender Equity and Wellness Initiative Program, UNC Department of Psychiatry. Uh, Here's the the actual format. Here's the form. Uh, First, affirmed name, the name you would like us to call you, and then pronouns, and then gender identity, female, male, non-binary, trans, gender, queer, something else, sex assigned at birth, female, male, intersex, date of birth, today's date, blah, blah, blah. Reason for referral, check all that apply. Here's your first option, young child, ages 3 to 11, psychoeducation and support for child and family. Second option, guidance on social transitioning and access to resources. Third, support and resources for exploring gender identity and expression. Fourth, evaluation of gender dysphoria and recommendation for resources and supportive services. Fifth, consultation only with a psychiatrist for medication management must have or be looked, uh, looking for a local psychiatrist. Uh, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Autism spectrum, learning disability, psychotherapy, number seven, recommendations. Family and partner support for adults 18 plus only. Uh, letters of support for surgery. The UNC gender clinic intake form. Duke, UNC, and ECU. 
So I'm going to come back to this, okay? But let me jump to something that's happening today here in the North Carolina legislature. The North Carolina House is considering a bill that would prohibit gender transition surgeries on minors. It's called HB 808, Surgical Gender Transition. Minors would make it, quote, unlawful for any physician or other healthcare provider to provide surgical gender transition procedures to any individual under 18 years of age with limited exceptions. The bill would also prohibit healthcare providers, including physicians, from referring minors to other providers for surgical gender transition procedures as defined by the legislation. Now, what's missing there is puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to minors. Now, why our Republican friends in the House of the state of North Carolina are, are not including that? They are in the Senate version. So the Senate version will one day meet the House version, and then they're going to have to work through the difference is there to come up with a bill that they can all agree on and get passed. And then we'll go to Cooper, who mm, a decent chance will veto it. And then back to the Republican led House and Senate. And hopefully the new Republican who was she used to be a Democrat who she would vote with them and then they can override it. But the Senate bill includes not just gender surgical gender transition procedures but also for minors no to puberty blockers no to cross-sex hormones but the house version they didn't do that they just did surgery now what's up with that i reached out to a couple friends down there not getting any you know major answers is there some kind of strategy to quote bush 43 going on in the background i don't know i just get so sick of this Because it's like the abortion issue. Now, the Republicans in the North Carolina legislature are not talking openly in the public much about what are they going to do? Are they going to do a 14-week abortion ban or are they going to do a heartbeat bill? If you do a heartbeat bill, it's basically around five or six weeks. You essentially ban abortion in the state. Uh, But a 14-week bill, which you can get a whole lot of support for, but that'll get rid of about 27% of abortions in the state of North Carolina. But it would leave 73% intact because most abortions are done before 14 weeks. And so there's there's we've seen this. You saw this last year in the election that the abortion issue is hot and heavy, unfortunately, because once Roe versus Wade is dumped June of last year, then it gets pushed to the states and then the states have to wrestle with it. So like down in Florida, they just signed DeSantis signed. They put it. They're putting it into law, a heartbeat bill. And that's going to come back. Whether you agree with it or not, that's going to come back to haunt DeSantis. Because it makes it look like he wants to essentially ban abortion nationwide, which I would agree with personally. But from an electoral perspective in this country, unfortunately, tells you a lot about the nation. That's suicide. You're going to see Donald Trump's going to push away from the in the next year and a half in the primary. And if he wins the primary and goes into the general, you're going to see him push away from the table. He's not going to talk about the life issue much. He's just going to say, hey, it's a state's rights issue. But he's not going to say a whole lot because he knows over 65, 70% of Americans don't want it illegal. Now you start at sliding scale after that in terms of, well, how do you feel about a third trimester abortion? Most Americans are against that. How about a second trimester? Mm, you get to the first trimester and the majority of Americans are like, yep, it should be legal. And especially when it comes to the quote unquote exceptions, rape, incest, and the life of the mother. So a lot now on that one, I understand. But on the gender thing, on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, that, that issue, and we're learning this, Bush, uh, Anheuser-Busch is learning this, that that issue is there, there's a lot of agreement across the nation that you don't give puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones to minors, to an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 13-year-old. 
nor do you allow them to have parts removed. What's up with the North Carolina Republicans in the House? We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. For all my North Carolina friends, one thing I'm going to encourage you to do is just uh, pick up the phone. Don't send an email. Emails get ignored. Pick up the phone and uh, call your North Carolina House representative and your Senate representative and voice your concerns about uh, the surgical gender transition madness with minors. Okay, so HB 808 is going to pass most likely out of the House today. That thank thank goodness I'm I'm grateful for this. Will will ban surgical gender transition procedures, and you can't even refer it out. It bans that, but what it doesn't deal with, for whatever I have no idea why they wouldn't t- talk about this. It doesn't ban puberty blockers and cross sex hormones to minors. It bans the uh, Doctor Frankenstein procedures, but it doesn't ban puberty blockers and cross sex hormones. On the other side. In the North Carolina State Senate, their version of this bill does. It bans both the Frankenstein procedures as well as the Frankenstein drugs. So why the, the Republicans in the House, in the committee, wherever this came out of, whoever, why they're not including it, I have no idea. I, odds are they're playing political calculations thinking, well, if we go too hardcore on this, this might hurt us next year in the elections. Well, I understand that if it's abortion, because abortion, unfortunately, in the United States of America, the vast majority of Americans do not want it to be illegal. And then you have a sliding scale in terms of how long should it be legal. Most Americans, for example, don't think it should be legal in the third trimester. Wow. Uh, That's, you know, is that a a moral A plus in America in 2023? (laughs) I think it's the last uh, gasping breaths of a nation that's drowning in its own sewer. But okay. So you, so it's one way with abortion, but it's not this way with the whole transgender thing for minors. The vast majority of the American public is not cool with any transgender Frankenstein activity when it comes to children, anybody under 18. So why the Republicans in the North Carolina State House are afraid of going all the way on it, I have no idea. It makes no sense. I'll try to find out. But call your state Senate member and call your state House member, whether they're a Republican or Democrat. If it's a Republican, you'll say, hey, what's your plan here? With the bills dealing with children and the transgender madness. What's your plan? Shouldn't you, don't you agree that you should ban all of it and just make your voice heard? If you don't make your voice heard and they do something stupid, just just little reminder, friendly reminder here. I vote for Republicans all the time. I've never voted for a Democrat. Uh, but just because you have Republican majorities in the House and the Senate in this state or any other state doesn't mean they're actually always going to do the right thing. You have to hold everybody accountable, everybody, especially on your side of the aisle. Never take that stuff for granted. Never. Why? Because we're dealing with human beings and every human being has a certain thing in common called a sin nature. And so you accountability, we have to hold them accountable on that one. Okay. And why is this such a big deal here in North Carolina? Well, I was referencing uh, this article, a couple of articles that came out uh, and I'm trying to get this link for you. Uh, which is just, this whole thing is just so disgusting. But in a nation that is all about Molech, are, should any of us be surprised by this? Anybody? Should anybody be surprised by this? Nobody should in this particular case. Okay. Transgender toddlers treated at Duke, UNC, and ECU. 
what what was that, Steve? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you heard me, okay? You heard me. That that's exactly what I said, and and that's what's going on. That's why I read for you the. Uh, this is at edfirstnc.org. Ed. E-D, edfirstnc.org, Sloan Rackmuth that's been on the show before. She's a toughie and doing a great job. Transgender toddlers treated at Duke, UNC, and ECU. Top medical schools, this was uh, updated five hours ago, in the state are now transitioning toddlers and training future primary care doctors on how to engage in the experimental treatment. This is why you can't just sit on the sidelines and moan. Okay, You have to call legislators, call your legislator and say, hey, what, what are you doing about this? Duke Medicine opened its gender clinic in 2015 to offer a wide variety of services under one roof. The clinic treats children as young as two for gender dysphoria. Dr. Deanna Adkins, a transgender activist who runs the clinic, said this about her toddler trans patients in an interview with the Charlotte Observer back in 2016. They are not old enough to consciously just choose to do that. It's not a choice of any of my, in any of my patients. It's really an unpleasant thing to have, to have going on in your body to feel that distress about yourself. I can't imagine anyone who would choose to do that. She's talking about babies like kids in her expert declaration to a federal district court in north carolina concerning hb2 remember back then that madness the bathroom thing adkins stated from a medical perspective the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity adkins argues that gender identity is not the is, is not only the preferred basis for determining sex but quote the only medically supported determinant of sex every other method is bad science she claims quote it's counter to medical science to use chromosomes hormones internal reproductive organs external genitalia or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as male or female <laughs> says the quote unquote doctor hashtag science no 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 you can't use all that stuff an innie, an Audi, XXXY, no, no, no. Gender is just all about what you think you are. Throw that other stuff out. It's, uh, it's meaningless. This is a doctor. A few miles down the road at UNC Health, children as young as three can be evaluated for gender dysphoria. That's why I brought up my then six-year-old son, whose sister dressed him up in the Disney a princess outfit, and he had a grand old time, and we have pictures of it. I guess we should have driven him down I-40 to UNC and had him examined for gender dysphoria. The clinic states it's practiced gender-affirming care on its intake form. That's what I was reading you, right? Affirm name, pronouns, gender identity, reasons for referral, young child ages 3 to 11, psychoeducation and support for child and family, or guidance on social transitioning and access to resources. Social transitioning means you just start to identify as the other sex. Little boy starts dressing like a little girl. That's what that is. So you need help figuring that out? We'll help you. Down here at UNC, we're all about you and your children. Support and resources for exploring gender identity and expression. Or evaluation of gender dysphoria and recommendation for resources and supportive services. That's why the North Carolina legislature needs to say no to all of it. Make it illegal. Make it a felony if you do it. Interested parents are assured on UNC's website that a team of psychiatrists, endocrinologists, family doctors, and surgeons will collaborate to affirm. Their child's gender. Do you need to affirm your child, every child's whim when they're disturbed, when they're upset, when they're confused, like most kids are? Do you affirm all that? Do you affirm their confusion? No, you help them work through it. You don't affirm it. How eager is UNC Health to affirm gender? So eager that its medical school residents offer cross-sex hormones for free every third Wednesday. That's nice. 
ECU Health recently jumped on the bandwagon and opened its own pride clinic, seeing children of all ages. The activist who directs the clinic, Dr. Colby Dendy, said this in an interview with the East Carolinian, quote, the literature tells us that kids can start around age four having their gender identity, so we do not want to exclude anybody within the pediatrics realm. A big part of our goal is to provide affirming primary care to everybody in LGBTQ plus spectrum. I mean, call it what it is. This is so satanic. It's, I say this. I, I, say, I think I'm, I say it almost every day. Satan, you know where he likes to play? Where's his favorite place for Satan to play? In the garden. Satan loves to play in the garden. Which is what he's doing with all the transgender madness. This article, by the way, thanks, Sarah. I'm going to put this link up on Facebook Live and Rumble in about 30 seconds. Transgender toddlers treated at Duke, UNC, and ECU. Do you have any friends that work there? Do you go there for your own medical needs? Maybe you need to speak up. Maybe that would make a difference. I'm sure the Lord would appreciate it. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Today's like today. I just kind of want to pick my computer up and throw it across the room. But I'm not going to. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, which sometimes it's hard to have, isn't it? Uh, One more thing on this transgender toddlers. I put the links up, by the way, at Facebook and Facebook Live and Rumble if you want to go there. And then I'll put it on my regular Facebook page, okay? So you can check it out there and follow that, that link. Transgender toddlers treated at Duke, UNC, and ECU. From our friend Sloan Rackmuth at edfirstnc.org. If you just go to edfirstnc.org, you can find it. Okay, if you're on the radio and you're like, yeah, I don't want to jump over to Facebook or whatever. Okay, that's what you can do. This was uh, very interesting. Listen, this is this uh, the doctor at Duke, Deanna Adkins, in court testimony. Uh, explain how she treats youngsters. Before puberty, treatment does not include any drug or surgical intervention. Wow, good for you. You're still liberal. For, for this group of patients, treatment is limited to social transition. Now stay with me here. Which means allowing a transgender child to live and be socially recognized in accordance with their gender identity. So what she's saying is, before puberty, which starts at different ages, well, let's say they're eight. Uh, she's like, okay, we're not going to start giving them hormone blockers. Uh, we're not going to start pumping their bodies full of stuff. We're going to wait till they get into puberty. Then we're going to play Frankenstein. But not yet. Now we're just going to play dress up. So you dress up. In, in the opposite sex, okay, dress up that way. And then whatever name, your hair, whatever, and then we'll play along with you. Okay, this is coming from the doctor. That's her idea. This can include allowing children to wear clothing, to cut or grow their hair, to use names and pronouns, and to access restrooms and other sex-separated facilities and activities in line with their gender identity instead of the sex assigned to them at birth, which, you know, if, if little Billy wants to become little uh, Belinda and you don't go along with it, well, you're a horrible person, right? Social transition is a critical part of treatment of patients with gender dysphoria. Now, stop. Gender dysphoria is real. It's a real mental illness that needs to be treated, not with a scalpel, but with counseling, not with pills, but with patience and prayer. Okay? So gender dysphoria is real, but it's not nearly as prevalent as people like to think it is. Now let's just become a catchphrase to kind of baptize it. Now listen to this. This is, this is incredibly important. A recent study published in Pediatrics examined the five-year gender identity development trajectory of transgender-identified children who underwent early social gender transition. 
So around five year old, five years, okay? Five years later, at the average age of 11 or 12, almost all of them, 97.5%, continued to identify as transgender. So what's that telling you? If a little kid, five, six, seven, has uh, really confused, desperate, or just wicked parents and some other psychiatric people or, or some of these uh, gender doctors from Duke, UNC, or ECU, and they start going, okay, gender-affirming care, right? We, we're with you. We love you. We, you say you're a boy, Lynn, then you must be a boy, and we're going to go with you on that, and we're going to back you up, and we're going to play your little game. And in five years, five, five years later, as they get into puberty, uh, guess what? That They still believe that. Why is that? Because you affirmed them in that. Whatever you feed in water tends to grow. So that's what they're doing. They're, they're from a, a materialistic, capitalistic standpoint, they're creating a customer down the road. For all this psychiatric help, so the psychiatric world benefits, all the transition types that treat that, they benefit. And then the surgeons that get in there and play Frankenstein, they benefit. They're making money. They're all making money off of who? Kids. What do you expect in a society that will butcher its own children in the womb? This shouldn't surprise anybody. Onto this one. Oklahoma governor makes performing irreversible gender transition surgeries on children a felony. Amen. Oklahoma governor Kevin Stitt has banned all sex reassignment procedures, meaning he signed the bill, for minors in the state, including irreversible gender transition surgeries and hormone therapies, joining at least 15 other states with similar laws. Come on, North Carolina Republicans, get this done. The Republican governor signed SB 613 into law Monday, yesterday, making it a felony for healthcare workers to provide children under the age of 18 with gender surgery plus puberty blocking drugs or home run doses that suppress or delay normal puberty. Amen. This is what you do to help children. This is, by the way, why we're against abortion. Quit killing and harming children. Violators can have their medical licenses revoked or face civil actions from a parent or a guardian. The law comes amid a wide wave of states across the country. Come on, North Carolina. Tackling the legality of sex reassignment procedures. Republican-led states have pushed for restricting or outlawing such procedures, as they have argued children under 18 who are not legally able to get a tattoo, smoke, or drink are not old enough to think through the consequences of potentially life-altering decisions. Democrat-led states have argued the decision to to reassign a child's sex should be left to the child. Hey, Billy, now that you're 14, I'm going to leave it up to you whether you want to try drugs and alcohol. Gosh, thanks, Dad. The American Civil Liberties Union of Oklahoma and other civil liberty organizations have promised to take any necessary legal action to prevent the Oklahoma law from being enacted. Correct. Because they do not want their worship of Molech to be outlawed. Which takes us up to Washington, D.C., the capital of Molech worship with the Biden administration. The Biden administration's Justice Department is hurting children. This is written by Oli London, who is a detransitioner, okay? A detransitioner. So Oli went down this road and then said, yeah, no, this is ruining my life. So he's detransitioning, okay? Oli. This is who wrote the article. The Biden administration's Justice Department is hurting children by challenging a Tennessee state law that bans sex reassignment procedures for kids, according to a prominent online influencer, that's Oli, who recently detransitioned after identifying as transgender. Tennessee Republican Governor Bill Lee last month 
signed into law a measure that prohibits hormone therapies, puberty blockers, and other medical procedures designed to change one's sex, which you can't, if they identify as the other gender from being used on minors under 18. The law is set to take effect on July 1st. This week, however, the Justice Department filed our Justice Department, the Biden administration, filed a lawsuit in federal court against the recently enacted law accusing Tennessee of discriminating against transgender youth by violating the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. They used the Constitution to justify ripping children apart in the womb and then ripping them apart outside of the womb. That's what they do. That's just the reality. Who does that, Steve? Uh, The Biden administration. What party are they a part of? Uh, The Democrat. Okay? Gosh, Steve, you're a partisan. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. The Justice Department also asked the U.S. District Court for Middle Tennessee, where the suit was filed, to, to issue an immediate order preventing the law from going into effect. What are they? Here's Oli. Here's what, here's what he writes. The DOJ is claiming that the law specifically discriminates against transgender people and targets them because of their gender identity. But this new law is not an attack on the LGBT and trans community in any way. It's simply about protecting children. But they don't care about that. Children cannot consent to life-altering and harmful medical procedures. They cannot consent to taking body and mind-altering hormones. Not with any level of maturity and uh, intelligence. Kids can't. They're too young. London, author of Gender Madness and spokesperson for Fairness First Pack, last year detransitioned back to a man after identifying as a woman for several months. He went on to list potential problems that come along with gender uh, surgery. Kids cannot begin to comprehend the long-term ramifications that transitioning has on their body, he said. This includes sterilization, incontinence, problems with bone density growth, and fertility issues affecting girls' abilities to have their own children in the future. The Justice Department countered that sex reassignment procedure, listen to this, are necessary medical care for children who don't want to identify as their biological sex. Necessary medical care. You know how a, a, a progressive Democrat or a garden variety Democrat defines necessary medical care it's whatever you want to do whatever your little heart desires you don't want that kid bad timing not enough money you don't like the dad whatever the case we'll take care of that because you have a uh, a, a, a constitutional right to necessary medical care which would include you know having your child killed no person should be denied access to necessary medical care just because of their transgender status. This is the Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. That's where we're at in this country. This law violates the constitutional rights of some of Tennessee's most vulnerable citizens. Left unchallenged, it would prohibit transgender children from receiving health care that their medical providers and their parents have determined to be medically necessary. Can you hear the hiss of the snake? And that's why you speak up. You post about this with as much love and compassion as you can. These children need help. I agree. They need help. What they don't need is puberty blockers and hormone injections. They certainly don't need a double mastectomy or having their uh, male parts removed. Not as a minor. Right? Is that, is this complicated? Is it just me? Am I just a ogre, 14th century ogre? No, and most Americans agree, which is why, hello, North Carolina Republicans, get this done. Ban all gender reassignment medications and procedures for all minors, all of it. Ban all of it. The sooner the better.
You say you're pro-life. <laughs> That's included. Ban it. Okay, an Indiana councilman, kind of having fun at the left's expense, came out as a Native American lesbian. So, that one. And then Coca-Cola shareholders. Yikes, that's crazy. And then this one, back to North Carolina. 673 UNC professors signed a letter. We'll find out about that. Apparently, welcome back. It's Steve Noble. Apparently, there's at least one government official in Indiana that has a, a little bit of a snarky sense of humor. Did you hear about this? It's, uh, what's his name? Ryan Webb. Indiana councilman who, quote unquote, came out as native, a Native American lesbian <laughs> pushes back on calls to resign. Indiana councilman Ryan Webb still uses he, him pronouns in his given name amid reported death threats. That's what happens when you try to attack this with humor. An Indiana councilman who was born a Caucasian male and recently came out as a lesbian woman of color, American Indian, pushed back and calls for him to resign. So he comes out and he's just, he's being snarky and, and using humor to make a point. He comes out and says, and he actually, you know, like Elizabeth Warren did a DNA test and he found some American Indian in his background, indigenous peoples in his background, Native Americans. And uh, and so he used that. And then just to have fun, he said, now I am now identifying as a woman. Native American. Lesbian, because he must be a lesbian because he's still attracted to women. So if you're going to identify as a woman and you're attracted to women, according to the LGBTQIA uh, confusion in the air, then I guess that would make you a lesbian. At least that's what he's doing. So he came out and did that just to kind of prove a point, even dressed up and death threats. And now he's getting hammered. On the satanic side, on the spiritual side, one thing that Satan hates is to be mocked. He hates it. So uh, if you're strong spiritually, go ahead and mock him. Coca-Cola shareholders, so they were going to go down the same road as, as Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light, which is just a train wreck. But uh, there was a group uh, trying to get the shareholders of Coca-Cola. It's called As You Sow asked Coca-Cola to issue a report on risk due to restrictions on reproductive rights. So they wanted Coca-Cola company to start uh, not offering their products in states that are anti-abortion. And fortunately for Coca-Cola, their shareholders rejected it by huge margins. Because these companies, hey, Anheuser-Busch, Coca-Cola, whoever, just, just produce the product and put it on the shelves. We don't, we don't care. We don't need to know what any of your executives' personal beliefs are, what your politics are, what your wokeism is. But this is all the ESG stuff. This is where this is going. So companies are getting very nervous that investing groups will stop investing, stop recommending their stock because they're not woke enough. That's what all is going on here. So remember, socialism is for children. If your main concern with America is socialism, you're missing the elephant coming over the fence. You're, you're dealing with ants. The elephant coming over the fence is corporatism, corporatism, major corporations worldwide affecting everything because they have the power and the influence. They have the microphone, they have the platform and they have the money. Socialism is not the main problem in the world. It's corporatism. That's the world economic forum and all that kind of stuff. Fortunately, the Coca-Cola shareholders are probably looking across the aisle at the Anheuser-Busch shareholders <laughs> who are a lot poorer today and said, yeah, we're not going to do that. So good for them. Okay. Back to North Carolina. 
Dig this. This is in Fox News. Came out last week. Here's the headline. 673 university professors sign a letter opposing courses on America's founding and the Constitution. UNC professors say requiring courses on American history violates academic freedom. Hundreds of professors, 673, uh, at the University of North Carolina signed a public letter last week opposing legislation in the North Carolina uh, Senate. That would require university students to take courses on America's government and founding documents. That's <gasps> so dangerous. The 673 UNC Chapel Hill professors revealed the public letter last Tuesday, a week ago, arguing the new courses and another bill in North Carolina. House of Representatives would constitute an infringement on the university's academic freedom. The first piece of legislation, House Bill 96, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the good news, it passed. This passed. Okay. So the House passed uh, 96, HB 96, would require students to take a three-credit-hour course covering America's founding and history. Required reading for the course would include, uh, all right, now gird up, gird up your loins, prepare yourself. If you're driving, if you're on the highway or something, you might want to slow down, look around, uh, maybe even pull over. If you're home, if you're, like, getting stuff cut up for dinner, put down the knife. You don't want to slip. Okay, I don't want anybody to have an accident here. Required reading for the course would include, oh, man, uh, the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, at least five essays from the Federalist Papers, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, which if you've never read that whole thing, you should, and the Gettysburg Address. <gasps> the professors argue the legislation, quote, listen to this, violates core principles of academic freedom and substitutes ideological force feeding for the intellectual expertise of faculty. That's exactly, this is what progressives always do. Saul Alinsky taught them well. You always accuse the other side of doing exactly what you're doing. What do the progressives who have taken over and own the academic system from the PhD to the kindergarten classroom since the late 1800s, they have kicked uh, conservative Christianity's rear end. Okay. They took over uh, education Dewey starting in the late 1800s. Okay. Which is all about pushing forward, force feeding their intellectual, their, their ideological viewpoints. That's what it is. Progressivism took over the public education system, kindergarten through 12th grade, and the college system, advanced degree system, master's and PhD. Took over most of it, starting in the late 1800s. And what do they do? They force feed everybody their intellectual ideological perspective, right? Now they're saying that's what this does. HB 96, which passed in the House, is going to force those poor kids at the university system here in North Carolina to read such uh, inflammatory pieces of Literature as the Constitution, the Declaration, the Emancipation Proclamation, at least five essays from the Federalist Papers, all written by white people, by the way. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail in the Gettysburg Address. The 673 professors decry both bills because the other bill would eliminate tenure, <laughs> which means once you've been there for a certain amount of time, you can't be fired. You got to get rid of that. So both bills as an attack on expertise, arguing the American government courses constitute little more than indoctrination. Right. Because that's not what they're doing. Bart Ehrman and all the other people at University of Chapel Hill and uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and all the other locations in the state. I'm sure there's no professors in any of those locations that are indoctrinating kids with their own particular worldview. But this passed. okay? and this is why, like I'm heading to Pigeon Forge tomorrow night after the show to go to another homeschool convention. 
And one of the things I'm one of the, the talks I'm doing on Thursday morning is called the red pill, which is protecting our children from indoctrination because that's what's going on out there via the, the your smartphone, your computer, the whole digital world. OK, it is building in an operating system in our kids right underneath your nose. But it starts about kindergarten whenever they start accessing the digital world all the way up through high school. And, this, and it's like the frog in the pot, this slow drip of a godless worldly perspective. In education, in entertainment, podcasts, music, videos, Netflix series, whatever. Okay, it's about 22, 23,000 hours worth of input between kindergarten and 12th grade. And that builds inside of them another operating system, completely different from a biblical operating system. So even though you take them to church and do all those good things and raise them in a Christian home like we did, and a homeschooling or private Christian school, all that good stuff, at most you're going to come up with 16,000 hours butts in the seats. But then you get about another 21, 22,000 hours of popular media and all the pressure that comes with it. And it's very subtle and it's all under the surface, which is why one of the things I'm going to tell parents Thursday morning at, in Pigeon Forge at the homeschool convention is you make sure your kids are learning uh, subjects from a Christian perspective with a biblical worldview. And truthfully, that the culture is talking about, which is why I teach U.S. history. Now I'm adding world history in the fall. I teach civics and I teach Christian ethics. Christian ethics is the foundation of all of it underneath it. How do you come up with the Bible's positions on moral issues? That's ethics. Morality changes depending on who you talk to and where you are. Ethics is, from a Christian perspective, under, under, undergirds everything. How do you get to the positions we're supposed to have as Christians on all these issues, like transgenderism, which I've been talking about today? So I teach things that build a Christian worldview in these young students, and I teach them in the context of what's going on in America today. I call that teaching in real time. So when Nashville shooting happened, that was in my classes that week. When the Trump indictment happened, that's when in my classes all week. The Ukraine-Russia thing and China and us and NATO and all that, that's in my classes just about every week. What's going on in the news so that all these things that we're telling them are true and important, you apply to real life in real time. And you talk about it. And you, and you provide, I don't like this phrase usually, a safe space. What do you think about that? What are you struggling with here as a Christian? What, uh, what would you say? What would you not post? I say that to them a lot. Would you post that tonight on your social media, wherever you do social media stuff? Would you post that? And most of them, their eyes are wide open and they're shaking their heads. No way. Why not? Because I'm going to get blasted for it. And so they, they struggle with understanding, speak the truth and love. When the culture says, when you speak your truth, it's decidedly unloving. And our young Christian kids are struggling with this. And then they're not building, they're, they're, again, you go to youth group and all that stuff. It ain't enough in 2023. It was, it was fine 40 years ago. But those days are over because of this thing, this iPhone and this MacBook and all this stuff in front of me. That's why I teach all those subjects, because that's where the culture is. That's what they're talking about. That's what's being used to move our kids in one direction or another. So you got to build up a Christian worldview, but then you got to apply it in real time, in real life, which is what I do every week in my classes, eighth grade through 12th grade. So if you want to check that out, hey, Steve, are you selling your stuff? No, I'm trying to make a difference. Yes, it costs money. Get over it. I'm trying to make a difference. If you want to find out about that, 8th through 12th grade, this is easy. Text the word TRUTH. Just text the word TRUTH to 66866. That's it. Do a little text message. Send it to 66866 with one word in the message, TRUTH. That's it. And we'll get you into the stream of information. You can check it out. I'll send you a couple of recent classes. Or you can go to the website, nobleuschool.com. Noble, me, you, like university, school, nobleuschool.com. 
trying to do my part against this cultural avalanche of lies and propaganda. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.